On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have Jen Torillo. Uh, Jen is an athletic trainer that has had kind of a unique uh, career path, kind of moving around from athletics to industrial to ultimately going and starting her own business. And that has been a topic of conversation for a long time within the profession, but it has been awesome to see more athletic trainers actually going that entrepreneurial route. And that is a lot of what we talk about in this episode with Jen is what it meant to her to take that jump, uh, how she used her athletic training skills to get there, not just the clinical ones, uh, but everything else. And really, it was a very interesting conversation. We also got into the topic of service and servicing on committees, uh, as Jen has done a lot there and also taken a lot away from that. Uh, So that was a lot of great information to take away there as well. So I think this will be a really beneficial uh, conversation for a lot of people if you're thinking about switching settings if you're thinking about going out on your own there's a lot here and just the preparation it took to get there uh, as always we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine we have teamed up with them for our throw a lifeline program uh, we're about a quarter to a third of our way to filling our second one if that's something you feel like you want to contribute to uh, there's multiple ways either just through straight up donation 100% of what you give goes to that there's no overhead or admin fees or if you would like to sign up uh, as a subscriber to the podcast uh, there should be a link if you visit our anchor site which we will link up that will then um, do a reoccurring uh, donation each month any amount that you prefer uh, we would really appreciate it as we try and get these out make sure athletic trainers are outfitted to do their jobs we'll keep contributing from our end um, any funds that we're able to from the podcast so without further ado please enjoy this episode Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are on with Jen Torillo. Uh, this has been one we've tried to get going, um, and that was on my fault for um, not continuing to follow up and reach out. But this one I think will be really interesting. Uh, we've had a few ATs on with some entrepreneurial things. Uh, Jen is definitely of that way, and that's what we're going to talk about. And um, paving your own way, which I'm excited to hear some thoughts on, because that is something that's always scared the crap out of me is to potentially go and do some of that. But uh, before we get into it, uh, how Jen got to this point is kind of a unique transition and had some things come up. So I am going to turn it over to her to fill in with that. And then we'll get into the episode. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for, uh, for giving me this opportunity. I've actually never been a podcast guest before. Um, so this is very cool. I'm excited. Um, so my name's Jen and I'm a licensed athletic trainer in Connecticut. And I do hold some other certifications, which is important uh, when we talk about being an entrepreneur. So I can get into that a little bit later, yeah. but um, I've been an athletic trainer uh, a little over 17 years now. And I spent a majority of my career in the secondary school setting. Uh, I was in the public school, contract, outreach, dabbled in that for a few years. And you know what? For a new athletic trainer, it was good. You had a, you had a support group. It worked. But then I knew 
I could see myself doing more. So that's where uh, that idea of paving your own way kind of started to cultivate itself. And I had an opportunity to interview in an independent school, uh, made to the final round, did not get chosen. So I stayed where I was. And lo and behold, a year later, the athletic director called me back and said, hey, things didn't work out. I don't want you to sound like you were our second choice. However, <laughs> um, we really liked how you interviewed and, you know, would you consider, you know, consider us. And that's where I ended. And if the power of networking isn't um, on the back of your mind, it should be. Um, that's just a college thing. I went to Springfield College in Massachusetts, and it's a very uh, tight network of alumni. And that, I think, helped me to get my foot in the door into this particular institution. And I was there for 11 years. I started off by myself as the only athletic trainer. Um, and I also taught anatomy and physiology. And I did that for a few years until I had my first baby. And after that, uh, you notice if you have children, it becomes difficult to do um, everything and do it really well. And as much as I loved the idea that I never missed a day of work, once you have a kid, <laughs> um, the priority changes a little bit. And I was really fortunate that the athletic trainer who covered my maternity leave for me agreed to help me out part-time. And I guess to kind of go through the flow of things over those 11 years, I went from being the only athletic trainer to bring on a second athletic trainer. And at the end of my tenure there, I had a third athletic trainer there. Okay. And I had always envisioned, God, I always envisioned a particular structure. Um, I always had in my mind, the medical model, even though mm -hmm. we were always under the sports, um, sports setting type of model. Um, I was always forward thinking and that, I think is a blessing and a curse um, because not everybody thinks that way and sure. change is hard and growth is hard and growth can cost money. And whether you want to admit it or not, unfortunately, healthcare has its hands in money. Uh, everything at the end of the day comes down to budgeting. You could want to provide the best care. It's all about your patients and it's all about the experience. But if there's not a budget for it, mm -hmm. um, you can dream up all you want. And it took years to add positions. But in my particular institution, you know, I had been through a few years where um, we had some financial changes in the school and went through layoffs. And fortunately, I survived all of them except for the last one. And unfortunately, at the time, it was a devastating thing. My 11th year, um, my contract was not renewed. And again, it, it was it was really tough for me. I mean, I knew the writing was on the wall. Sure. I knew that personalities weren't gelling. I knew that the, it was just there that it was time for me to change. I was changing my philosophy in the way that I treated was changing and it all came to a head. I 
had made that decision that I need to start, I think, looking for a change. And then, you know, you get the little shove, by the way, we're going to remove your job. And it kind of gave me the kick in the butt that, okay, well, yes, now you're definitely going to pivot and shift. And honestly, I loved my 14 years in a secondary school setting. I mean, right. anyone who works in secondary school and has been in it for a long time, it, it really was my passion and it still is my passion. I love educating. I love teaching, um, you know, adolescent athletes about how their body works and why things happen the way that they do and how they can take care of themselves. Cause we are like a lot of times their, their first experience with having an athletic trainer and, mm -hmm. and I really, I really found joy and fulfillment in that. And then you're in this position of, oh my God, my position is gone. And now having been through the pandemic, I'm, I'm sure plenty of people who are listening kind of understand um, how that goes with positions being removed and, and the hurt that it feels, you know, when you really kind of pour yourself into a particular role and, and things weren't good. I didn't feel good for, for a couple of months. And, you know, obviously I knew I needed to change and figure out well, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do now? And I saw a job posting for the industrial setting and I applied and I wasn't sure if that's what I was going to like, what I was going to do. The job description was very basic. It really gave not a ton of information. Uh, so it was, it was a risk for me. And long story short, I, I got the job and transitioned into the industrial setting. And I, I spent three years in the industrial setting, uh, worked with two different contracting companies, both vastly different. Um, but it, it was interesting because colleagues, family members would ask, well, how do you like it? How, you know, what's it like? And I'm like, it's like apples and oranges. <laughs> you can't, you can't even compare. And I think, you know, anyone who has shifted out of that foundational role in athletic training and in, in athletics or sports um, to something that is non-traditional, uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's just different. And, you know, you have different rules to abide by. You have different policies and procedures. You might even have a different job title. My first job um, that I had, I was with the company for a year and I was an injury prevention specialist. I wasn't even identified as an athletic trainer. And that was really hard for me. That was hard because I really loved being an athletic trainer. I loved, I still do. I love my profession. And it was, it was bizarre that I couldn't present myself as such, but we know, you know, standing orders and scope of practice and, and all of that stuff come into play. Um, but ultimately, um, your job schedule can be very, very different. You know, we talk a lot about the athletic schedule and how much whoo, it can be challenging and you're working six days a week or seven days a week or, you know, no days off, but there are certainly roles in the industrial setting where there's third shift. There is very early mornings. Um, I had a client that I would drive just over the state line and I would 
have to get up at two 30 in the morning and drive. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and ultimately that was a huge part of, of why I had to make a decision to move just because health wise self-care and sure. it just wasn't healthy for my body. I couldn't, yeah. I had children and I just, I noticed I didn't feel good. And you know, it, it just was not something I could keep up with and be healthy and take care of myself. So I, um, so I transitioned to a, another company where I was at one client site. I was there, you know, five days a week, set hours. And that was my most recent um, position as I began to dabble with this idea of entrepreneurship. And um, I think what really uh, cultivated that mindset is my involvement with COPA. Um, so COPA is the Council on Practice Advancement. It's an MTA yeah. committee. And I saw a posting online through um, District 1 that was asking for athletic trainers who fell under kind of that scope of COPA and they were looking for a district one representative. And I had been a committee junkie for a little bit. I started in prep schools and then I'm still serving with the Eastern athletic trainers association. And I said, huh, this could be really cool. And, um, so I was fortunate to, to get on board and there was a lot of restructuring at that time. And, um, I spent two years with, with COPA. I spent a term and wow, like talk about forward thinkers and talk about thinking outside the box, talking about challenging the norm. Like I, I just, I know my first meeting at, um, I think it was in Las Vegas, the NATA meeting. And I was like, whoa, these are my people, <laughs> you know, they loved the idea, the concept of like pushing the envelope. And um, yeah, I mean, it was an amazing experience that helped me to gain the knowledge of turning an idea or turning a thought, turning a dream into a reality. And I've now been full time as a private practice owner for three months. So I was growing this for okay. about two years, working um, in the industrial setting and doing this as what you would call a side hustle. Yeah. And, um, and here I am, I've been able to, I think, cultivate enough of a foundation and stability to do this. And it's scary and it's cool and it's unnerving and it's awesome, like all at the same time. So, so yeah, here I am. So I think that leads us right into kind of talking about more of the entrepreneurship and what concentric care is. And mm -hmm. as you kind of referenced earlier, you were talking about it, the importance of, you know, having other credentials and things and how that's played into what you're currently doing. Right, right. I mean, oh, I got into this particular uh, a space that I'm in with being an owner of, of a private practice at the urging of a hockey coach. And I was pulled in as I was working in the industrial setting to help set up a sports medicine program. They had no athletic trainer. They had nothing in place and nothing like, I don't know, just gets me more excited than building something from scratch. <laughs> I just love it. Sure. And they were open to the idea of 
building some sort of sports medicine program. And through my time with that team, uh, this particular coach was, you know, JT, why are you doing this? Like this. And I'm like, what do you mean this? It's like, you take care of people. He's like, you helped me, you, you know, you're doing your own thing with the team. You're getting people to work in, you know, all of that stuff. He's like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, well, athletic trainers don't do this. They don't, don't, they don't just go on their own and go rogue when lo and behold, actually, yeah, they do. And there are a lot of us who are doing it. And, you know, I, I kind of like sat on that for a little bit. It was like, oh man, I don't have money to like rent a space. I don't have money to. So, you know, I started to like, just look at things. I started following more people on social media that I knew were doing it. And it was just like this whole other side of athletic training that I didn't know existed, but man, it's been going on for several years. And I'm like, I know I need to have a part of this. I know I need to figure this out. And, um, I do have some other certifications. So I, I have my CSCS and I'm also, um, a registered yoga teacher. And when I decided to go ahead and start the LLC. I really wasn't even sure what the heck I was going to do. Um, but I just said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, claim a, claim a domain. I'm going to claim my social media and then I'm just going to, just going to figure it out. (laughs) I'm just going to figure it out as I go, which is completely out of my character. I'm a planner, but, um, I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have any business training whatsoever. And I think as athletic trainers, we just don't get that stuff. We don't sure. understand marketing. We don't understand business just because we've always been servants. We always take care of people. We don't know how to promote ourselves and to speak about ourselves and what our skill set is. We always like, no, 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 I'm behind the scenes. Like, I don't want the spotlight. But if you want to be a business owner, you have to be willing to promote your skill set and promote yourself and get people to buy into not only what you can provide, but also you, you have to cultivate trust. And, ah, wow. But my first, I wouldn't even say I was doing business right away. I started my LLC for concentric care in February of 2019, I want to say 2019. And I really didn't do a heck of a lot with it for at least six months. I just was reading and researching and, you know, starting to post some things on social media that as I look back, really have no direction. Um, (laughs) And then I got my first client and I was like, well, shoot, I am not prepared for this. I am confident in my skill set, but you also have to think about how do I get paid? How do I make sure I pay my taxes? How do I make sure, you know, so there's just a lot of that to consider. And, you know, I would have like one client here, one client there and then COVID. (laughs) And, you know, when 2020 hit, I was starting to get some, some, you know, some momentum. I had partnered with a CrossFit gym and started to do a little bit of work in there and teaching yoga. Um, but then COVID and everything closed and I had to really think and pivot and shift. And while I didn't really 
have a huge income at that point. Um, I was pivoting to online. I was teaching classes online. I was doing workshops on injury prevention. I built a YouTube page. I, I just tried to look at it. Okay, well, how can I survive this? Because I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to let this go. I believe in this. And, you know, when you don't see something that exists that you like have such a passion for, then you make your own way. And I've always said that you pave your own way. And I said that back when I was even in this, in the secondary school setting, if there wasn't a roadmap, we'll figure it out and we'll figure out how to do it. And, and I did. And so I survived, you know, 2020 and finally, when things start to open up and you can actually see human beings again, um, I, did one of the best things that I could do as a business owner. And I joined my local uh, chamber of commerce. I knew that I was lacking in, in business knowledge. I knew I was lacking in how to market. I can put stuff on social media all I want, Mm -hmm. but there's certainly a way there is certainly a structure. If you want to just keep posting stuff on Instagram to post, that's great. But how do you turn that into a client? So there's certainly a method to the madness. And yeah, one of the best things I could have done for myself was was join up. And I immediately met people in my local community that were like-minded. And and honestly, it cultivated so many strong relationships. It's now where I practice is is the woman um, who's the first person to reach out to me at the very first meeting. Um, I now lease space from her and yeah, so I lease space from her and it wouldn't have happened if I didn't kind of take a risk and get really uncomfortable and put myself in a room of business owners and they did not know what athletic trainers were. If they did, maybe they thought they did, (laughs) Um, but it's, it's been an incredible opportunity for me to now explain and promote our profession. Because anytime someone says, oh, you're a personal trainer, you're a physical therapist, I don't get insulted. <laughs> I don't, I don't see it like that. I see it as, okay, I wish they knew. However, here's my chance to explain how versatile that we are as athletic trainers and the skill set and the knowledge that we have. And it just was amazing as I started to work with people wow, I wish I would have found you before. Like, you know, so much stuff. And I think any athletic trainer knows, like there's so much swimming up here in our head that, you know, whatever the, whatever the situation presents, we have so much knowledge and so much experience that we can apply to so many different scenarios. And and I've seen it. And it's just, it's exciting to be able to do what I'm doing and what I think is promoting our profession at the same time. Absolutely. Um, just kind of going back, you had reference, you know, there's a lot of, there's, not, I will say a lot in context that have been doing this for several years. Would you mind sharing who some of those resources? Sure, sure. Back? Yeah. So uh, two of them I met directly through um, professional work. Um, 
One of them I met through, I think I met her before Copa. I was already following Alicia Pennington and she um, also was serving on Copa. So um, that was kind of a natural relationship um, that we were able to cultivate first, I think through social media and then having been on the same committee, um, we were able to chit chat a little bit more in depth. Um, And I actually did some coaching with her recently and it, it was great because she gets what we do. Um, and then the second person that, um, really helped frame my mindset was Mike Stella. Okay. And, um, yeah, Mike, Mike Stella's in, uh, I think Long Island, New York area. And he was my rock tape instructor. And so when I went to get my rock tape certification, he was the teacher. And I remember hearing him talk how he's been in private practice and, you know, he's an athletic trainer and he's been doing this, you know, for several years. And I'm like, what? So I'm like, we <laughs> tell me, teach me. <laughs> and, you know, it's hard because now that I've been doing this for a few years, you know, people naturally want to ask questions. Well, how did you do it? Sure. And of course, now looking back, I could see how like, in, you know, an Alicia or a Mike would be like, well, shoot, I had to figure it out myself. Right. And, you know, there is a bit of that, that pride of the work that you have to put in and just know that there are people out there who are doing it. And once you've done the work, you can have conversations and say to those people, Hey, like I've done this, I've got my tax ID and I've, you know, filed my LLC and, you know, you can show that you're willing to put in the effort. And then there's just an, you know, an amazing group of entrepreneurs that, um, that are around. And there's another, um, just North of me in Massachusetts, um, Jamie Doherty, she owns, um, empowering athletes and she helped me out with standing orders. And yes, I have standing orders. I did not start out with standing orders, But I, again, was relying on more of exercise, not hands-on, but I knew that if I wanted to use the full breadth of my skills, I needed standing orders. And, um, she helped me with that. And, um, yeah, they're, they're out there. (laughs) Yeah, that was, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was a question I was going to have for you, just because I feel like that can be a very gray area for athletic trainers. And there's so many different you know, whether it's licensure or however, you know, not in every state, but the majority of the states. And then that seemingly is maybe shifting. I know um, in Wisconsin, where I am, there were standing orders, but then we just recently, as of the spring, got those removed from our licensure law. So now um, a previous guest who had to go through lawyers to confirm she needed standing orders and find a physician to do that, yeah. In theory now everything has just opened up significantly oh, for them. Wow. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. And that's something that's, you know, taking into consideration and right. knowing your, knowing your state laws when it comes to that. Yeah, it is not. And I think that might be what deters a lot of people from going down this road uh, is you, you have to know your standing order. You have to know your state's scope of practice first and foremost. And in Connecticut, our, our government action committee has done crazy amount of work to, um, to have our scope revised and, you know, we're listed as working with athletes, but athletes can be physically active. It does not mean necessarily 
you know, a competitive sport on a team or, or that sort of thing. So we have that in our favor, at least in Connecticut, but again, that doesn't necessarily translate to somebody in New Hampshire. You sure. know, it, so that's important. If it's something you're thinking about, you need to be aware that who can you actually treat? And then knowing that, you know, I need standing orders and it needs to either be an APRN, a chiropractor or, um, or a physician. You have to go down that road, which means you have to have some sort of relationship yep. or be willing to cultivate a relationship um, with one of those providers. Now, it's not as scary as people think. It's just talking with people, having a conversation and building rapport and building trust. It's, it's possible. No one says it's easy, but it's possible. And you just have to have the drive to know that this is what I'm going to do. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to have to put myself out there, take some risks and be prepared maybe for someone to say no, but no just means not yet. <laughs> you know, in a lot of business conversations, you talk to any entrepreneur and no means just not yet. <laughs> and, right. you know, they might not be the right person. And if you, they, maybe they'll connect you to somebody who is. Oh, that's awesome. And I think really good advice. So thanks for diving into those details. Um, what skills have you learned trying to run this business that you think maybe are underappreciated or under taught really in kind of athletic training as a whole? Um, I think one of the biggest things is I treat from a holistic or integrative approach, meaning you know, you see someone who is experiencing shoulder pain and in a vast majority of the cases, we're going to treat that shoulder pain and it's not to the athletic trainer's detriment in the secondary school setting. A lot of times you're either by yourself or maybe there's a second person, but if you've been in that athletic training facility, when school gets out, it's like just survival <laughs> mode. It's, it's survival yeah, mode. And you know, that shoulder is going to come in and okay, what's the best I can do for this, this particular athlete at this time to get them comfortable, make sure I know that they're safe to play. And okay. So maybe it might be, maybe it might be some range of motion work. Maybe I'll do quick round of cupping and then I will wrap them. And that's the best that I can do in this moment. And again, it's not to their detriment. It's just what you are able to do in that time and you're in crunch time and, and maybe you have rehab in that setting and, and maybe you don't. So you're just doing the very best you can. And my passion is being able to take the time that I need to hear that person's thorough history, looking at their background with surgeries and injuries and past experiences with other healthcare providers, and then taking the time to go through a very thorough assessment, looking at posture, looking at gait, looking at how they actually move and function, going through different tests. And, you know, there's just, I don't know, I'm, I'm a learning geek. I just love, love gathering new material. And I just finished a three month membership about a mentorship that focused on neurology and neuromechanics. And like nice. my mind is just like, 
you know, exploded because like uh, one of the first segments was like the cranial nerves. And like, we know that from concussions, Sure. but not taking a dive in like we did for that. Now I incorporate cranial nerve assessments for chronic pain. And so for me, it's, it's looking at the big picture. It's taking the time. It's not feeling rushed. And then there's obviously the business stuff that we don't learn. Um, you know, we're great at, you know, doing multiple things and getting it all done. We're, We're great at that. But really, um, I think one of the things that we lack in our, in our coming up through education is, is confidence in what we do and how to speak about our skill set and to promote what we do. And, um, you really have to do that in order su- to succeed in business. Kind of going all the way back now to what we're going to title this episode on the pave your own way. Yeah. Obviously you've given us your story of kind of how you've done that and are continuing to do that um, yeah. <laughs> as it, you've just been, you know, really fully into it, you know, mm-hmm. the last three months, as you mentioned, uh, you know, nothing like starting a business when a global pandemic comes to call. Fine. Yeah. Everyone's fine. fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. What would you tell anybody, I guess, it doesn't have to be young or any, any AT that's thinking this, like what advice would you have for them that maybe you wish you had had? Oh, um, not to ever doubt yourself. Number one, um, we, and I see it when I was a preceptor for students, you doubt yourself. You feel like you need to have all the answers and you don't, you can't be afraid to be wrong. You really can't. And any challenge or mistake or something that you wish you could have done differently, it's an opportunity to grow. And you have to see those speed bumps as learning experiences. And what can I take from that experience? And you know what, you can feel sad and, you know, defeated, you get laid off, you feel horrible, defeated, feel the feelings, absolutely go through that stuff. But then what are you going to do now? What are you going to do with that? So you just use it as motivation to grow personally and grow professionally. So just know that you don't have to have all the answers and that is okay. And be honest. I, I can't stress that enough that if I have someone and I'm looking at them and there's just a lot going on and I'm not going to sugarcoat it and and claim that I can fix their problems in two visits. It's going to be, okay, we're going to have to focus on a few things at a time. And I want to make sure that I'm hearing you and I am serving you to the best of my ability. So we're going to break this apart. And the stuff that I'm not feeling hundred percent confident about, I'm, I'm going to have to do some work and I'm going to have to learn a little bit more just so I can provide you with the best care that you deserve. Be vulnerable, you guys. (laughs) Like, I think being honest and vulnerable is the best trait that you can have. As like the blessing and the curse of kind of the profession and just the the whole, you know, medical care is it's, yeah, there's so much that you're never going to know at all. And you can't, but that's also the fun part because you can go and do a three month 
thing around the neurophysiology and have your mind completely blown. Um, yeah. I would love to go and do something like that similar because I think it would change the game in terms of how you treat people. And I think, oh that's, yeah, yeah, what you're saying is so spot on is that you got to take that as a challenge, but also understand that it's just too big that you can't know everything and that's fine. And that's when you have a good close knit group of people that, you know, that can help you out when you don't. Right. Right. Absolutely. It is a hundred percent. Okay. To not have all the answers, whether it's, you know, in your athletic training room, whether it's in the classroom as an athletic training student, or whether it's in business, I still do not have all the answers. (laughs) And I'm just, I guess I'm just willing to be okay with that. And be okay with having to just do the work. And if I want to continue down this, this path that I've created for myself, then I'm going to have to do the work and no one else is responsible for it, but me. And, um, I think for me, that's drive enough because at the end of the day, it's, I'm not working for someone else. I'm I'm working for myself and yeah, that work is going to just manifest itself in my own success. Absolutely. Well, we covered a lot, which was great. Yeah, man, I did. <laughs> yeah, no, that was fantastic. Is there anything that we missed kind of starting around? I guess one last question, just sure. what the, the name concentric care, because yeah. probably the first thing that brings to a lot of people mind, you know, concentric, you know, it's a motion of, you know, the body and moving, but I, just the choosing of the name. I'm very curious about that. Man, there's so much pressure when you choose a name. It's almost (laughs) like you choose a name for your kid. Like they're stuck with that for life. And it's the same thing with your business. You choose a name and like, like, oh, it's got to mean something. And, you know, for me, I've always, I've always had a passion for working collectively um, through an interprofessional approach, Um, working with PTs. It's not a turf war, guys working with other athletic trainers, working with strength coaches, working with chiropractors, working with personal trainers, whatever it might be. The person who shows up in my office and has pain or wants to improve something, they might have a team of people that they either have worked with or currently working with or considering working with. At the end of the day, we're all here for you, man. We're here for you. So I'm open to working with whomever you're working with. As long as they're willing to play nice in the sandbox, like let's do this. So concentric meeting, concentric circles with one focal point. And that focal point is, is the individual, is that human being who is looking to do something or make some sort of change in their life. So that's where that came from. That's awesome. I like that a lot. Thank I- you. Well done on thinking all of that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. There was a lot of. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else you'd like to cover before we jump into the athletic training chat questions? No, I don't think so. I'm just, if you don't get the, the vibe that I love what I do and I love being an athletic trainer, like I do honestly still love it. 17 years later, it has not always been easy. There have certainly been times where I wanted to leave and move on and do something else in my earlier, you know, probably first couple of years. And if you go through that, it's normal, Um, but I'm still doing it and I'm turning 
a profession that I love into a role that I also love. So I'm just really super fortunate to be able to be doing this. Awesome. Uh, first question is yeah. where do you see athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? And if you could kind of set the example, if it's, if it's more specific or broader on the profession. Um, what I would foresee our profession moving towards is all things COPA. If you are not familiar with the Council on Practice Advancement, there are 10 committees and those committees are, my gosh, I hope I don't mess up, um, industrial, healthcare administration, performing arts, public safety, uh, military, private practice in emerging settings, uh, oh, pressure, um, what am I forgetting? Oh, analytics and outcomes. Um, I want to make sure I got them all, but you get my point. We is, don't link to it as well. What's that? We'll, we'll link to it as well, just so people Perfect. can. Perfect. Do that. Yep. Um, that is where I see athletic training going is forward thinkers, not necessarily jammed in a particular box of athletics or being in, you know, a college or professional sports. Those are all great. We have a place there. That is our foundation. There's no need for that to go anywhere. However, if you're going through education and you're not sure if that's exactly where you're going to be, just know that these other settings really love what we do. They really are appreciative of what we do. Um, I can speak to industrial. Um, they love what we do and just know that there is appreciation for us in a, a myriad of different types of settings. So just know that. And I really do feel that that's where, um, athletic trainers are going to find their success, find their niche in the next five to 10 years. Awesome. What advice would you give yourself if you could go back to when you were a younger athletic trainer? Um, I mean, one comes to mind. Um, I don't know if I can share that one. Uh, take no BS. Like, I think that would be one. Yeah. Um, you know, you tend to be, again, a lot of our personalities in athletic training, we're givers. We want to make people happy. We want to, oh. um, so don't let people walk over you. Don't let people make you feel bad or question your integrity or, no, <laughs> you got to stand up for yourself and put yourself first and, um, have, have confidence, you know, what you're doing. Um, that'll probably be the biggest thing. I think, uh, I think that one is a very, thank you. <laughs> yep, yep. A fine balance of understanding. You're not quite the expert yet, but also making sure that you've got confidence right. in what you're doing. Right. Absolutely. What has been the most influential resource that you've found in your career? Uh, committee work. Being a part of committees, I think, has, wow, opened my eyes to a lot of things. And I have met so many amazing people um, through committee work. And I know people are kind of varied on how they feel about it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's all about finding the right committee for you, something that you're passionate about. I've been fortunate that every committee that I've served on has had purpose and has had motivated athletic trainers just trying to do good work. 
And um, yeah, for me, I think committee work has, has definitely top of the list. Awesome. I believe that might be the first time we've had somebody say committee work, you know, specifically with that. So yeah. I like it. As an AT in your role, and I know it's still relatively kind of new in terms of being full time, how do you take care of yourself? Whew, that's the hardest thing. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, yoga was a big part. Um, I started practicing yoga after I had my first child and I did that to try to get balance in my life figuratively and literally. (laughs) Um, and then I became a yoga teacher. So, I mean, yoga was the first and foremost. Um, but now that I'm doing what I'm doing, it's setting boundaries. It's, I'm not really good at it. Um, but I'm getting better at it. And I still choose to work the weekends because that's when my clients have free time sometimes. So I have set a precedent for myself that Tuesdays are my day off. I do not do work. At least I try not to. I didn't initially when I first did this full time. So September and October, I really wasn't great about it. But this month I have been really diligent about Tuesdays. I do no work. I read a book. (laughs) Um, I do something that I enjoy doing and spend time with my kids and, you know, that kind of thing. So I, for me, it's very specific Tuesdays day off. Awesome. I I like that. Um, If you could change or eliminate one thing could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset, or something else if you're choosing in the field of athletic training, what would it be and why? A fixed mindset, a fixed mindset. Yeah, most, most definitely without a doubt, a fixed mindset that it has to be done this way. This is the only way we can do this. Um, it's always been done this way. So we should keep doing it this way. That was the one thing that I questioned a lot in the secondary school setting and maybe, maybe to my detriment, who knows? Um, but just because it's always been this way, doesn't mean it should always stay that way. You mentioned reading books. Have you read Carol Dweck's mindset book? I sure have. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Every (laughs) time that fixed mindset comes up, that's the first thing I think of such a great, great book. Um, Highly recommend it to everybody. Yeah. Last question. Um, What does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Um, it means a lot of things. Ah, God, that's really hard to put in a sentence. And I really wish I prepared an answer. It, it means getting people to be able to do what they love to do, whether it's play a sport, whether it's walking their dog, whether it's, you know, playing pickup basketball or going to CrossFit, there's just something amazing about helping a person to take away their pain. And if you're able to teach a person something about their body or teach them a self-care technique or physically, you know, use manual therapy to Mm -hmm. help them. I mean, you've created a relationship, I think for life, for a lot of people. And, you know, if you ever think back of, of, a person you saw from the time they tore their ACLs, the time that they got back to their sport. I mean, there's just such a connection that you create with a person when you make them feel better. 
especially getting them out of a place of discomfort or pain, physical or mental, you get them out of that place and back to where they're feeling like their best self. I mean, that's, that's what this profession is to me. And, and there's just really no better reward than to see a person doing what makes them happy. Very well said. I like that definition. Thanks. If people wanted to connect with you, where would be the best place to find you, follow you, keep tabs on what you're doing? (laughs) Sure. I'm pretty active on social media, so you can definitely find me there. Um, I do have a Twitter account. I don't really use it as much as I used to, but that's at jtarillo. And if you are looking to get more information or see what I'm doing in my business, I'm on Instagram and on Facebook. And that handle is at concentric care CT. Perfect. We will make sure to link all of those up uh, when we publish on the episode page. So uh, just wanted to say thank you again. This was extremely interesting and very enlightening um, and uh, really enjoyed hearing the story and sounds like we'll have to do a round two at some point once you're um, well into this journey and just see how it's evolved. So yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing. I'm really glad that we connected and I'm excited to just talk about this process because, um, you know, if anyone kind of has this in the back of their mind of, of maybe making a transition or how do people get there? Um, you know, I'm happy to be able to, to contribute to, um, sharing my story. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And we'll look forward to talking to you again and hopefully the near future. Yeah. Sounds great. Thanks so much.